Welcome to the Conscious Living Podcast, conversations to educate, empower, and enlighten our world. An uplifting and inspiring series of conversations and talks with your host, Jackie Woodside. We are educating minds, empowering lives, and enlightening souls to create a world where love prevails. In this engaging podcast, we deliver exciting, positive, transformative talks and teachings designed to elevate your life. Now, let's join our host, Jackie Woodside, for this week's session. Hi there. Have a great day today as we enjoy hopping into another episode of the Conscious Living Podcast, where we are here to educate, empower, and enlighten our world. I am your host and the founder of the Conscious Living Podcast, Jackie Woodside, and I'm so excited to bring a very unique topic in conscious living to you today with my guest, Moni Castaneda, who's from uh, the South in Tennessee, but also hails from Ecuador originally. Moni is an expert in helping people take their homes and create them into a blessed sanctuary through her expertise in feng shui. So I am so looking forward to hearing this, this episode and, and hearing Moni's uh, expertise because I love, love, love my homes. In fact, I call one of my homes Soul Haven and another, uh, the other two are called my River Haven Compound. So I think a lot about the way I create my home and yet I don't know a thing about feng shui. So Moni, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Conscious Living Podcast. Do you want to say anything else about yourself to help our listeners get to know you? Yeah, thank you so much for having me over. Yeah, so I actually studied architecture in Ecuador, where I'm from in South America, right? Wow. After I moved to the United States, I found I would not be able to exercise my profession because there's no agreements between the two countries. And then a friend suggested, why don't you look into feng shui? And I did, and it was love at first sight. Wow. Yeah. And so feng shui is actually the ancient East Asian art of spacement. And uh, when, you know, when you look at Hold those, on. did you yes. say spaceman? Space arrangement. Space arrangement. And you created that into a word called spacement. No, no, no. I'm, I'm sorry. It probably is my accent. Oh, okay. No, <laughs> yeah. no, no. I just, I, I love, I love new words. I think you should but, uh, create it. I think you should create it into a new word. <laughs> I think you just coined a word for me. I'm going to use spaceman. Spatial placement, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> that sounds fantastic it is a great it's a great word you should you could write a whole article about it and and uh you know really you claim that as your own thank you thank you for that gift of course so say i'm sorry i interrupted you go ahead so it's the it's the did you say ancient art of spatial placement or spacement as we just said yeah so it's um it comes from ancient east asia and it's rooted in uh, ancient east asian philosophy right? Which is at the root also of things you may know more of, like acupuncture, Tai uh Chi, -huh. Qigong, and even martial arts. Wow. And so all of these, uh, these arts and practices from the East are rooted in the same principles. And Feng Shui teaches you what to put where, how to arrange your space, your environment, mm -hmm. so that you can be happy, healthy, and successful. So what I do is I teach people, mostly women, right, and some enlightened men, um, how to turn their current homes into dream homes so they can create good energy and good luck. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that. So 
so let's just dive into this topic of feng shui itself. Thank you for that history and, and helping us understand what it is. Now, I love that you said mostly women and a few enlightened men. Let's just say that a lot of people in our culture today, here in the US and perhaps around the world, aren't exactly what we might call enlightened in, <clears throat> in their view of things, and particularly maybe not enlightened about the fact that the way you have things placed in your physical environment is going to make all that much difference. So what would you say to those skeptics that say, what difference does it make if the vase is here or the chair is there? Yes. How, how do you, I'm sure you come across yes. it in, you know, in of your course. Yes. Yeah, so how do you yeah. address that? So this, there's this uh, Chinese proverb that says, all the things in your home are talking to you, make sure they have nice things to say. <laughs> Every single thing you see in your home is a product of a decision that you made at some point or a decision that somebody else made about your home, right? And you're living with that every day and you have established a feedback loop. You affect your home and in turn, your home has an effect in you. And the home is actually a microcosm of your whole reality. Every single thing. That. That's the, yeah. uh, your home is a microcosm of your whole reality. That's yes. brilliant. So say more. Tell us what that means. And yes, and you see everything that. that you think about life, everything that you believe about life is expressed in your home. And so the premise in feng shui is that by making small intentional changes in your home, with, you know, with the purpose of producing certain results, you can change the way you see life, the way you think, the decisions that you make, and the actions that you take. So basically, by changing your home, you can change your behavior. And once you change your behavior, your life changes. Everything that's happening to any of you that's listening right now is a consequence of what you believe to be true about life. And of course, I'm not saying there's no external environment. I'm not saying there's no politics. I'm not saying there's um, not an economy. That's all the external environment. You cannot control that. What you can control is the environment around you, which is your home. Wow, I love this. I, I, I absolutely love this. I mean, that's what I am very intentional about my home. Be, from my teaching, I say everything is energy. Everything has energy to it. So I'm very mindful about not having a lot of, well, having no clutter. Uh, I'm mindful about keeping order in my physical environment. So things are fairly neat. And when people come in my home, they often say, Soul Haven in particular, they often say, oh my God, what a great place. This has such great energy to it. Uh-huh. Now, yeah. however, so, the, and, and I would say that's reflective of my inner world and also my need for order. I was diagnosed at uh -huh. one point in my life with attention deficit disorder. Oh. So the external world is chaotic. I have more difficulty focusing, being productive. Uh -huh. And I definitely, I, I say, I need my outer environment to not be noisy. I need it to be. Yes. However, my son's bedroom, <laughs> I have a uh -huh. 17 year old son. His room is just constantly in chaos, almost like he cannot keep things or like he'll do like once a month when I'm like, no, I can't live, leave. I know what you're yes. So once a month, he will bring beautiful order to his room and actually does a great job doing it, but he can't keep it that way. Mm -hmm. So I love this notion that you say that how you keep your outer world reflects your inner world. So what do you see in what I just shared about kind of my environment versus my son's environment? 
Yeah, well, you know, first I, I want to say, I think it's true for all people that if your environment is noisy, it's harder for you to pay attention. It may be more marked for you, yeah. right? But, but it's true for all people. There's actually then, a really yeah. good research that proves that. I wrote a book, as you probably know, called Calming the uh -huh. Chaos. And yeah. in that book, I have, uh, I, I cited a research study that said that people who have cluttered desks are less productive and procrastinate more than people who have their workspace kind of clean and orderly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like a clear space produces a clear mind. Yeah, yeah. This. yeah. I use that as a slide uh, when I do my uh, PowerPoint slide, when I present uh -huh. on a topic. Um, uh, an organized, a disorganized mind creates a disorganized life. Yes, yeah, but also a heart. That's what a lot of people don't realize. The clutter space doesn't just clutter your mind, it clutters your heart, it clutters your emotions, right? So when you're thinking about teenagers, teenagers, they are kind of messy, yeah. right? And I have two teenagers and they're not the exception. But they're also going through turmoil. They're going through a lot of changes. Um, they're still deciding what they like. And also, you know, what they liked last year is not what they like today. Right. And they may feel a little bit comfortable in a, a chaotic environment, right? And so, I, and I see this tendency in my kids too. If I let them, they're, I, I tell them their bedrooms would look like raccoon nests. <laughs> right? What does a raccoon nest look like? I don't know. <laughs> It's just something I made up, you know. Like, That's great. That's great. Like I guess I identify raccoons with being chaotic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so they, um, I actually developed a method since my older kid was five years old. I developed a process to help children tidy up their bedrooms. And it's, you know, it follows certain steps. Children as young as three years old are doing it. I teach their mothers, right? I don't teach the child, I teach the mother and then the mother teaches them. And when kids are older, they learn to do it by themselves. And we actually have them print, them, print out this guide so they can remember, but it's a very easy to follow process. And so I just, you know, if, if the rumors are starting to get out of hand, I go in and I tell them, okay, you need to run the process. And sometimes it's not the whole bedroom. I, I, sometimes I'll go and tell them, you need to run the process on the top of this dresser. Yeah, And they, they know, and sometimes they complain, you know, sometimes they, they give me an attitude and eyebrow rising or something like that, right? Yeah. But they do, it and they can recognize that the more they organize their space, the better they feel, wow. the more productive they are. Can you what that process is, or would it take too long? I, can, I would love to hear it. Actually, I actually have a class that, that is the Kid and Teen Dream Clean class, but I can give you the gist of it. Yeah, the, the um, sense of it, yeah. Yeah. Any messes in your home or any clutter in your home, they are decisions you haven't made. Decisions delayed, decisions procrastinated, right? And so when you are trying to declutter a very messy space, all of a sudden you have to make in a period of time, maybe 20, 30 minutes, uh, you have to make all these decisions that you have avoided for six months. That's not easy. And that actually uh, causes decision fatigue, right? So we simplify the decisions by having a chart that kids can actually follow and say, okay, first we're gonna focus on the floors and we're gonna start with trash. So can you identify any trash on the floor? If you can identify, or sometimes you just tell them, do you see anything in the floor that belongs directly in the trash can? Yeah. And they go and pick it up. Just the floor, it's yeah. very important, just the floor. Okay. And then can you identify in the floor anything that you could pick up and put in the recycling bin right away. 
and they do that. And then can you identify anything in your, in your bedroom or anything on the floor in your bedroom that is broken or torn and cannot be repaired? And so then they pick that up, right? And I was like, okay, do these things belong in the recycling bin or the trash? And so we go on with this process, you know, and then it gets a little bit more uh, specific as you go on. Yeah. And it, uh, it helps them um, organize their bedroom. So first they do the floor, then they apply the same method to benches and beds. Then they apply the same method to dressers. So basically you make it really easy on their mind. And then they can. What you're saying about that, Moni, my, my son has um, executive functioning disorder. And for and I'm not familiar with that. What is uh, oh, it's a, it's a it's a difficulty prioritizing, ordering, bringing order, and making decisions. Uh, it's oh. when the frontal lobes are not uh, of your brain are they're pretty offline. Uh, your frontal lobes are is your prioritization, wisdom, decision making, uh -huh. uh, a higher functioning brain yes. part of your brain. And even so young kids, teenagers, particularly, they're, they're all emotion center. The amygdala is fully online, but their frontal lobes to mitigate the emotions is not online. That's why you see so much impulsive kind of risk-taking yes. behavior, sometimes uh -huh. belligerent behavior in uh, teenagers and, and even into young adulthood, 20, 20, you know, high school and college kids, you see a lot of that behavior because they're all emotion and very little wisdom and discernment <laughs> because that's not that part of their brain isn't functioning yet. So what you're doing with that method is you're actually bringing decision making uh, into a structure for them yes. that will help them be more effective. So that's a really brilliant strategy. And I, I love that you teach a class on that. Yeah. And it really helps because you're basically making batch decisions but only one decision at a time one decision at a time right it's, so it's like I'm only that with my son I, yeah. there was a reason I asked you to tell us about it <laughs> yes and so it was like first pick up the trash then recyclables and then it, it has a few more steps right and so they they do it and they feel good and it's very important that they follow the process if they get sidetracked that's not good right and so I have noticed a lot of people when they're trying to organize their spaces, they just get sidetracked. They start thinking, they, they wanna have a conversation about every piece they pick up from the floor, you know? And so it's, it's important to keep them uh, focused. Yeah. I actually have videos of kids, you know, the, those shortened videos that you take uh, an hour and turn it into two minutes. I have videos of kids doing this by themselves. Wow. Teenagers and preteens. Yeah. Nice. Really, really wonderful. I'm going to go take a look at those. That's great. Yeah. So what are the, you know, what are the ways that you, that you help people or how can people that, you know, themselves bring greater order or greater energy flow to their homes? What do you recommend for people? Yeah. And so when I first started doing feng shui, um, I thought first you have to declutter and after you declutter, then you can do more things. Yeah. Right. But life proved me wrong. It's not like that. Because if you don't have structure, order in the space itself, you cannot organize the space. And if you don't have beauty, you don't organize it. Mm -hmm. Nobody organizes ugly things. And so a mistake that a lot of people make is that they go to a, a big store and they go to the aisle where they have the home organization items, right? 
And they're like, I'm going to buy this and buy that and buy that. And then my home is going to be organized. But when you stand at the beginning of that aisle where they sell the home organization stuff, it doesn't look pretty, right? right. So if you buy a bunch of these things and take them to your home, your home is not going to look pretty and people do not organize ugly things. And so, and it's not everything. So I'm talking specifically about those plastic tubs that, that people think are going to be so amazing because you put a lid on it and stuff, right? And uh, some of them are transparent and you can label them, but people don't use them because they're not pretty. Now, there are some home organization items that are really gorgeous. You know, the, there are baskets, there's trunks, there's, there's all sorts, storage ottomans, right? And so it's very important that you bring beauty to your home. I have a, a system, you know, actually developed a system because when I have, you know, and, and I'm sure there's going to be a, among your listeners, there's going to be people who think feng shui is just too woo-woo and too out there, right? Yeah. yeah. And there's good reasons for that because there are, there are several schools of feng shui and some schools of feng shui, they're mainly focused on astrology and numerology, okay. right? And so they, for example, they ask you for your birth date and depending on what it is, they tell you what color you should paint your front door. Regardless of whether you like that color, regardless <laughs> of whether that color goes well with the matches the, the hiding on your house, yeah. right? And so a lot of the advice that you find out there, if you're just going to Google or Pinterest or, or just on YouTube, a lot of the advice you find is not sound. It's just not good advice. And so because of my background in architecture, I decoded feng shui to see, okay, you know, what are the principles that you use? And I actually have separated issues into three. So there's issues in your home that have to do with the architecture, the way your home was built. Then there's issues in your home that have to do with the interior design, which is major decisions that you have made, mostly about floors and walls. And then there's issues that have to do with furniture placement, right? And so the architecture first is like, what is the shape of your floor plan? Where are the entrances located? How is the garage attached to the house or not? What is the relationship between the front door to the staircases, right? Wow. Now, what um, does that tell you, the front door and staircase? Well, basically, when you open the door, the staircases shouldn't be the first thing you see, Okay. right? And it depends on the type of staircase. There's a lot of homes, especially up north, there's a lot of homes where you open the door and the first thing you see is the staircase. It's, yeah. Yeah. So what that kind of right? the feeling like that gives you. Colonial is, house design. Yeah. And so that's like work, right? I have to work. As soon as I open my house, I have to work. Even if you just go around the stairs and go into the kitchen, yeah. your first thought is work, which is going up the stairs, which is work, right? Yeah. And so you don't have to remodel. You don't have to have a contractor move the stairs. But there's things you do. You, just, you attract your eyes to different things. So then the staircase doesn't matter so much. Yeah. But it's common for people who live in these homes that you open the door and you see the staircase going up to feel fatigued. You know, they complain about feeling fatigued. And then if you have a split foyer, you know, where you open the door and there's yeah. there's uh, seven steps going up and seven steps going down, that those people suffer with indecision. You know, because as soon as they open the door, they have to make a decision. Should right, I right. Am I going up? Am I going down? Yeah. Yeah. And so <laughs> those are issues having to do with the building. Also, if you have a long and narrow uh, hallway. If you have a staircase with no landing, all, the, all of these are issues that have to do with the way the building was built. Double height ceilings, you know, it's such a trend that everybody wants that living room with the double height ceilings. 
But in every single case, people who have double high ceilings, unless they have made corrections with feng shui, they don't use those spaces. They love to look at them, but they don't spend a lot of time in them, right? Yeah. And so those are issues that have to do with the way the home was built. Then you have the issues that have to do with interior design, which are well, the main I want, Before you go make. on to interior yeah. design, give me a couple yeah. of fixes, say, if the if the staircase is, you know, the first thing you see, or if you have a split entry house, what, just one fix for each of those, what do you recommend for people? Okay, so for example, if you open the door and the first thing you see is the staircase, you have to have some bright artwork that is visible to you when you crack the door. Okay. So as soon as you crack the door open and before you open it fully, there needs to be some amazing piece of artwork, something you absolutely love in bright colors, preferably, so that the impression of coming home is that beauty yeah. instead okay. of in the staircase, right? Okay. Uh, okay. When you open the door to a split foyer, you need to mark which one should be used by guests, right? Okay. Okay. And so when guests come to your home for the first time, there should be something guiding their eyes toward the, the stairs you want them to use first. Like what? What would, what would you recommend? Um, it could be, for example, a rug, a yep. bicolor rug in front of the steps that you want them to use. Okay. Or it could be if you want, and so in most split uh, foyer cases, you the, the stairs that you go up, as you turn, there's a living room. Yes. So if you want your guests to go there instead of going down to the family room, which is downstairs, right? You want them to go to the living room. Then you would have some bright piece of art at the top of those stairs. Uh, okay. All right. So that it indicates, okay. So in, uh, in Hong Shou, we use this concept called qi. Have you heard of chi? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so chi means the life force, right? When you're doing yoga, when you're doing tai chi, you're working with chi. And so chi follows attention. Yes, right. Wherever you can draw the attention uh, for your eyes, the life force is also going to follow. Nice. So if as you open the door of a split foyer, you follow the, the attention to the top where you want your guests to go, then you have cured, we call it cured, or you have remedied that situation, right? So you don't have to remodel. That's the beauty of feng shui. Right. right? Now go on to uh, interior design. I want to hear your interior thoughts. Interior design, right? So That's here fun. we're talking about um, three major things, right? So one is how you treat windows. The second one is harmonizing color shapes and materials. And the third one is the messages your home is giving you through photographs, mirrors, and art. So the first one, right? Window treatments. In the United States, States, a lot of people are curtain phobic, right? <laughs> Especially if you have a beautiful view, right? You have a beautiful view. It's like, why would I ruin my view right, right, by adding right. blinds or curtains or any kind of window treatment, right? And so during the day, that is true. During the day, you have this beautiful view, right? But at night, you just end up with these large rectangular blocks of black. And so if you have, say, for example, a great room, that has a view to a beautiful valley and you have six large windows. Exactly in what room. my great room is. I have a lake yeah. out front. And, really? And, yeah, it's exactly. I have a great room, oh, wow. six windows and a lake out front. And so I have, how many windows and I have no have? window coverings on them. And so how many windows do you have? One, two, three. I'm not there. So I, I think it's six. And then there's two, uh, two very large, like triangular windows above the six rectangular. Okay, so let's just talk about the six, you know, just for okay. simplification. Okay, if you had, say, a family room in the basement with very little windows or no windows, would you go to an art gallery and buy six large rectangular pieces 
that are black? <laughs> no, you I wouldn't, wouldn't, right? I would not. That that's what you have at night in your great room. Because when there's no lights outside, all you see is these black blocks, right? And that is setting feng shui, you know, too much black affects the spirit. Mm -hmm. And so it may affect your mood, it may affect your energy level, right? So in feng shui, we always emphasize you have to have window treatments. Window treatments give you control. So this is all about control. Control is a good thing, right? Yeah, Being right. controlled by others, not a good thing. But yeah. controlling your home is a good thing. So window treatments allow you to regulate how much light comes in, how much sunshine, and, uh, and also uh, temperature-wise, right? Mm -hmm. It allows you to save on energy, either in the winter or in the summer, right? And so when you don't have any kinds of window treatments, you have no control over your windows. Wow. And that is not a good thing. I've never looked at it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so sometimes I, you know, people argue with me, the, people always argue with me, but this is one of the points where they argue with me the most, right? Yeah, so I, I was about to, but I thought I'd be kind. Yeah. I mean, I like the seamlessness of not having window treatments. Yeah. It was very just simple uh, and, and seamless to me. I don't, so know, again, I, I don't like a lot of noise in my environment. Uh -huh. I like it very simple. But now yeah, today there's this uh, remote control cellular blinds that actually when you open them, they make a, a really fine line at the top. Yes. Some yeah. of them, they have a little uh, piece of wood that covers them completely. So it looks like there's no window treatments. Oh, nice. And they're remote controlled, you know, so they're perfect. And, uh, and the thing is, when you don't have, you know, any kind of control over any aspect of your home, you start feeling that you ha don't have any kind of control in any aspect of your life, right? So what I tell people to do is, okay, take an old sheet, and cover up that window at night for three to seven days in a row. And after that, take it off and see how you feel. And after, I have never had a case when somebody did that and did not get window treatments after because the difference was visible. They slept better, they had more energy, and they were more content about life. Wow, I still want to argue with you. Can I argue yes. with you a little bit? So argue. I have a lake out front at my house. And I love looking out and seeing the reflection of the moon or even on the other side of the lake, people's houses. Some people have some nice lighting outside. So I can see the light dancing off the lake at night. And I love that. You can do that for a little bit. You know, you can have dinner and then sit and enjoy the view. And before you go to bed, you close that down. Oh, I see. But it's in my living room. I don't sleep there. It doesn't matter because the house is a unit. The, oh, your wow. house has a, a certain degree of energy in it. Yes, yes. When you don't have window treatments, treatments, part of that energy seeps out the windows and goes outside. Oh, all right. I'm going to try your... <clears throat> I'm yeah, trying so just try to you know, just cover yeah. them up with something temporary every night for at least three days. Yep. And then see the difference. All right. I'm going to do that. Yeah. I love it. All right. Anything else with interior design? I'm sure there's more. So then we have design. colors, you know, that there has to be a harmony of colors. Right now in the United States, there's this craziness about white. white. That everybody yeah, everything is white right now. White, yeah, you know? yeah. And now designers are introducing the black wall. Have you seen I've that? I've seen that. Black yes, I wall, and that's really it. bad feng shui. It's awful. Yeah. yeah. I look at the right? and the house is beautiful, but I'm like, who wants their great room black? That's just weird. Exactly. And it's such a trend. You know, it's so in fashion right now. I, it is in it's fashion. I've seen it everywhere. 
colors have meanings and colors affect organs. Well, but isn't it interesting, Moni? I want to hear more about how colors affect organs, but isn't it interesting kind of thinking about the times that we're in, you know, culturally and politically that there's such, if you will, darkness in the divided energy of our country right now here in the United States, um, that in some ways it feels reflective to me of the mood of our country. So that that was my interpretation of it. You know, something even more interesting is that the craziness with white started with COVID, with the pandemic. Uh And uh, there's the white color has to do with what we call the metal element that also regulates the lungs. Oh, wow. And grieving. Mm -hmm. And so here we had a respiratory illness, right? And a, peop- a lot of people grieving uh, from the loss of relatives, you know, uh, grieving the loss of their life, their yeah, public the life. You know, and and life is good. Yeah, um, yeah. Grieving the loss of being able to see people's smiles, right? Yeah. And so it was a very challenging time. And so white is a color that helps you with the grief in the beginning. But if you keep it for too long, then you start feeling cynical about life. Interesting. Right. And, and so I was looking forward to designers ending the white trend. And then the way they're trying to end it is by introducing black walls. Black. <laughs> I'm so disappointed. So say more about color relating to organs. What, what was your Yeah, about? and so colors affect uh, your organs. Do you want me to go through the list? Yeah, sure. I, I mean, yeah, if it's so, not 25 items long, but yeah. Yeah. Black is associated with the kidneys and the bladder. Um, light blues and uh, teals and greens are associated with the liver and the gallbladder. The color red is associated to the heart and the small intestine. Earth tones, so yellows, browns, and beiges, they're associated to the stomach and the spleen. And white is associated to the lungs and the large intestine. And so (laughs) colors also are associated with emotions, right? So there's negative emotions and uh, positive emotions. And so just to give an example, um, too much black increases fear, right? Uh, Too much earth tones, uh, having too many earth colors in a home increases worries. And so in Feng Shui, we look at all these things. And say, for example, that you have um, a lodge home. And of course, you know, because you have the logs, uh, you are going to have an excess of brown. And so you have too much of the earth element and that can feel dry. And it tends people to get too reflective and then that ends up becoming a worry, right? But in Feng Shui, we know that the the wood, the colors of the wood element, don't think about the plank of wood, but the colors of foliage in the spring. So the blues, the light greens and stuff, um, that um, is what you use to control the excess of earth. So if you can imagine a room that is all brown and it feels drab like a desert, right? Yeah, but now yeah. imagine that you added maybe four plants. Now it feels alive, right? Four plants to it. Is that what you said? Plants? Yeah, four yeah. plants. Yeah. Or a painting of a forest. Nice. Now it feels alive, nice. right? And so that's how we use colors in feng shui. And, and in my system, we don't do it by your birth date or we don't do it by the direction your house is facing, which some schools of feng shui do. We do it by what the room needs and what the person needs. So there's certain moods you want. <laughs> so you, you don't want the same mood in your kitchen than in your bedroom, right? Because in your bedroom, you want romance. And right. in the kitchen, right. you want productivity. 
Yeah. You, know, you want to be energized in the kitchen. You want to be relaxed in the bedroom. Right. So that's how we use colors. But it's not just colors, also shapes and materials. So that's how we harmonize rooms. And when you harmonize colors, shapes, and materials, people argue less. Are what less? Argue less. Argue less. Oh, wow. When there's clashes of colors, there's also clashes of personalities. Because there's also personalities associated with the five elements. Wow. Which of the five elements that I had mentioned, right? There's a personality and people, you know, people are a mix of things. Nobody is pure, this personality. But what makes a person tick is associated with the five elements personality types. Do you want to say what those are? Yeah. And so, for example, um, water people are career oriented and they want knowledge. Wood people are productivity oriented and uh, they're concerned with legacy. Fire people are party animals. (laughs) And to them, what matters is uh, social standing. Earth people are, are calm and embracing. And what matters to them the most is connection. Metal people are kind of judgmental. (laughs) <laughs> and they what matters to them is meaning they want to be okay with god basically wow or whatever higher power they recognize sure, and sure. so and of course you know there's negative and positive traits of each of the elements and if you know your element it's a lot easier to manage your life and how do you for know example um i actually have if uh, if people go to my website there's a link at the top in the menu that says uh, free and low cost resources yeah, and they, yeah. will, they go to the free resources there's actually two or three uh, courses that I have on the five elements and they yeah, all yeah. help you identify your five elements personality type right so for example I'm fire remember what I said about fire yeah I will choose to party instead of work instead of every work. single time like oh, if I have the opportunity funny. right that's now funny. if I didn't know that about myself it would be a lot harder to manage my life and then I, I would deal with a lot of shame, right? Because I went and partied instead of doing the work that somebody else was expecting me to do. Yeah. And yeah so, but yeah. because I know that, that allows me to manage my schedule, right? That's great. I love yeah. it. And so people who are like my husband, he's wood. His personality is wood. He wakes up at 5.30 in the morning. By the time I first wake up, go to the bathroom and come back to bed, he has seven or 10 things he has ticked off his list to do, right? <laughs> oh, that's great. That's and great. so, yeah, it, it's, it's fascinating. It's fascinating uh, to learn about the five elements personality types. Wow, you have so much knowledge, Mooney. Yeah. I know people are going to want to get in touch with you, uh, you know, go to your website and, and look at your resources. So why don't you tell us what your website is and how people can either follow you or get so, in touch with you? It's a nine steps to feng shui.com. It's, it's all no numbers, right? Nine okay. steps to yeah. feng shui.com. But also spacearrangement.com, okay. spacearrangement.com forwards to nine steps to feng shui.com. And I have that set up because some people don't know how to spell feng shui. <laughs> oh, right. So if you type spacearrangement.com, that will take you to my website. Spacearrangement.com. All right, beautiful. It's so, so great to be here with you. I really want to thank you for sharing so much knowledge and it's just lovely and interesting to to spend yeah. this time. And we only got halfway through uh, through all the things that you look at in the home, right? All right. Well, I'll have to have you on again and we'll do part yes, two. Yes, let's do that. All right. Thank you so much for being with Thank us. Thank you so much for inviting me.